I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're listening now to Sylvia Garcia. She is one of the House managers uh, making the case against the president from the floor of the United States Senate right now. We haven't heard much from her, so let's take a moment and listen to see what she has to say. Numerous witnesses testified about the significance of a White House meeting for the political newcomer. A White House meeting would show Ukrainians that America supported Zelensky's anti-corruption platform, the clear backing of the President of the United States, Ukraine's most important patron, would also send a powerful message to Russia that we had Ukraine's back. During that April 24th... Again, that's Sylvia... Garcia, she's a representative from the state of Texas, a Democrat, uh, prosecuting the case against the president from the floor of the United States Senate as one of these seven impeachment managers, all of them led by uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, so there's a lot going on. We're going to continue, obviously, to follow this uh, uh, this impeachment case as it uh, plays out in the United States Senate. And as I have told you over the past few days, it gives me a great opportunity to kind of comb through some interesting, trivial-type things. I like looking back into history, uh, trying to learn from the precedents set by prior impeachment uh, trials, as well as combing through the rules and the procedures and under what uh, regulations and guidelines uh, the senators uh, who are more or less in the role of jurors in this whole case uh, are having to face. We know they have to stay in their seats. Uh, they need to not speak out. They can't have their cell phones. Uh, but that's not all. On the line right now joining us from Washington is Serena Marshall, ABC News correspondent. Serena, grateful to you for your time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Lee. Happy to. Uh, tell me, what are, you, what are you seeing right now? I know that uh, the, they just uh, ended a, a recess and they are back in action right now hearing from Representative Garcia from Texas. Uh, what's the experience for you there reporting on this? Well, it's really interesting because the rules that govern the Senate impeachment are different for the members in the chambers, but also for the press. There is more restriction happening on Capitol Hill. You actually need a special ID in order to move about within the Senate, within the within the Capitol itself and the office buildings um, to get in and out of the chamber. Each network is just getting one ticket to go in. Uh, normally, you're allowed to have cameras roaming about in order to get senator reaction. There's restrictions on where those cameras can be. In some areas, they don't even allow cameras, only print uh, paper and pencil, and in some cases, cases, uh, still photographers. So there are actually ongoing negotiations between the governing radio television correspondents association and the Capitol and trying to get more access for the press. But it's interesting because there are different rules for an impeachment. This is the only third one in American history to face an impeachment trial. And so it's kind of a learning curve for everyone, including the senators. For those senators, what are, if I'm honest, we've been kind of trudging through the, the details of this. We've been uh, trudging through the substance of the arguments being presented. I'm looking for a break. There are some lighter, more interesting rules facing these uh, senators right now, including what they're able to drink. 
Yeah, there are a little bit of uh, fun moments in looking at these rules here. Water and milk, right? That's what we've been hearing over the past 24 hours. Those are the only two beverages allowed on the Senate floor. Lee, I will say technically water and sparkling water is the only type of beverage that's allowed on the Senate floor, and that governs any time on the Senate floor. Now, this whole thing about milk that we're hearing actually goes back into the 60s. Senator Dirksen, a Republican from Illinois, he asked during a, a, a statement he was making on the Senate floor, the presiding officer, if he could request a glass of milk. And that presiding officer said, there's nothing in the rules to prohibit the senator from requesting a glass of milk. And that statement has become now a footnote in history. And it technically now means that senators in this chamber are allowed to ask for water or milk as a beverage, but nothing else. No caffeine, no soda. If they want to have their caffeine fix, they're going to have to either leave in the middle of arguments or wait for one of those recesses. And and Dirksen a senator so accomplished, uh, certainly in this little role of uh, introducing milk onto the floor, uh, so accomplished that he would have later uh, a Senate office building named after him. Yeah, exactly. One of the biggest Senate office buildings, and it's where actually the most senior senators have their offices. Uh, just It's the one immediately next to the Senate uh, side of the Capitol building. Let me ask you this, and uh, I'm not sure if we know the answer, but just if if you're close and able to kind of peek in, uh, we know that cell phones, each uh, senator has a little cubby hole there uh, near or in the cloakroom. I uh, have uh, an, an iPhone. I also have an Apple Watch, and I was testing out this morning how far could I get my iPhone from my Apple Watch so that I could still interact with my phone, text messages and emails and such like that. Have you seen any senators there checking their wrist throughout these proceedings? Yeah, yeah, we definitely have. They're not allowed technically to have any electronic devices in the chamber. That is a break from typical Senate rules. Normally, we're going to see them in the chamber with their cell phones, with their tablets, etc. But during this process, they have no electronics. You mentioned that cubby that is outside the chamber. It's essentially like a kindergarten cubby with holes and numbers, and you put your phone there, and you see which number it is. Um, and that's it. But some of these senators we've seen do have Apple Watches. We've seen them light up a couple of times. It is technically a break in the rules. But we also haven't seen these senators really checking their messages, checking their alerts. So while they do have them, it doesn't seem they're interacting with them. They're trying to abide by that rule, probably honestly not even thinking about the fact that it's their watch. So uh, the only activity they're allowed to have inside this chamber is handwritten notes by a singular staffer that they deem as part of their team throughout this impeachment trial that's allowed to bring notes in and out to the senators. So a couple of them have found some loopholes. We know a couple other senators have paper games that they're playing crossword puzzles underneath the briefing documents. But as, as you know, lighthearted as these rules are, uh, it is important to undernote that they are all taking their responsibilities seriously for the vast majority of the senators. They're sitting there listening diligently, taking notes, uh, not doing uh, outside activities, games, for example. Um, and, you know, these are long days, 13 hours yesterday. We are just in the beginning of today's uh, testimony. We had two hours, and now they're ramping up for a few more, likely to go eight hours today and then eight hours over the next two days for a total of 24 hours over three days. So, you know, last night around 11 o'clock, it wasn't a surprise to see a couple of senators also kind of nodding off. Uh, Serena Marshall is joining us from Washington, uh, ABC News correspondent, uh, giving us a little insight into some of the rules that are governing uh, these proceedings and also some of the experience she's having as a a journalist. Uh, I am grateful to you, Serena, for 
for covering this. I'm grateful to you for talking to us. And if you don't mind, uh, I likely over the next uh, week or so will be calling on you a few more times to share with us what you're seeing there. Oh, definitely. My pleasure. Thank you, Lee. Serena, thanks again. Again, Serena Marshall from ABC News joining us from Washington. Uh, There's a lot left here on today's program. We haven't mentioned throughout the morning today, uh, but I'll do so now that that terrible tragedy uh, out in Grantsville of last Friday, there was a a suspect arrested and has been in custody and today will be formally charged. We uh, expect at about 2.30 in a few minutes from now to have access to those uh, court documents outlining the charges leveled against this uh, young suspect. Uh, We know that the the suspect is a a juvenile and it's expected that they will be charged as an adult uh, for these uh, crimes, at least uh, for uh, murder charges uh, likely and uh, maybe an attempted murder charge against uh, the father of this Haney family who uh, spent a day or so in the hospital and was released. Uh, well, that's coming up uh, later on today's program. Greg Scordis, you know him, an attorney that joins us from time to time and helps us with some legal understandings. He, uh, I, I hope our plan is uh, we'll get those papers in front of him just uh, as we receive them at 2.30. He'll have a chance to review them in the last segment of today's program. Uh, he and I will walk through what they mean, what we can learn, and what we can expect uh, for this trial uh, and for this case and this whole uh, unfortunate tragedy going forward. Uh, there are some bright spots. There are some indication that there is uh, love and community still present out there in Grantsville. One of them in the form of this fundraiser. We spoke to the organizer of that fundraiser just a few days ago. I checked the totals this morning. It's over $90,000. All of those dollars uh, are destined to help the Haney family with their funeral and medical expenses. Uh, and I have a link to that fundraiser. It's on my Facebook page. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Lee Lonsberry on Facebook. You can click your way over to that fundraiser if you're so inclined to uh, to lend a hand to this family in such need, or at least the members remaining of this family, the horrible tragedy that took three siblings and their mother uh, away from the community of Grantsville. That's all coming up on the, the program today. Also, when we come back, uh, I mentioned in the last segment that there was a firearm found on the ground outside of an elementary school in Ogden. Uh, a, a young child did exactly the right thing, uh, did not touch the firearm, left the area, contacted an adult, uh, and that uh, behavior, I believe, uh, very likely could have avoided some uh, tragedy. So grateful to that young man for doing that. Well, there was another firearm at another school uh, just 24 hours ago. Uh, it was at East High School, and the presence of that firearm uh, led them to put the school on lockdown. Luckily, luckily, uh, at the very end of everything, no one was hurt, uh, no one was injured. Uh, and I want to tell you the, the full story next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.